it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, Dark here. Just to let you know that today's episode includes one or two swear words. So if you're listening with smallies, it might be good to cover their ears or listen later when they're not around. Welcome to Motherfucker, the Irish for Podcast, brought to you by the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm joined again by Pather O'Kevonic, and today we're going to talk about Irish origins or not of certain Dublin slang. Pather, yo, how's it going? It's going great. How's it going? First of all, Pather, where are you from? I'm from Dublin originally. I'm from Clondalkin. Yes, more specifically from Clondalkin. More specifically Clondalkin, which technically, in old Dublin terms, makes me a culture. Outside, the beyond the lizard. Beyond the pale. Beyond the pale. Beyond the pale, yeah. The edge of the pale was Tully's Castle in Clondalkin Village, and I grew up the wrong side of that. Just on the other side, so. Just on the other side. On the other side of the so, wall, wildling. So, I'm, yeah, I'm a muck savage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know what, I'm from Rathfarnham, which at one point in history was considered Wicklow before they redrew the line, so it's a... Uh, Proper order. These things happen. We took it back, like. You know? <laughs> Definitely. To, to be honest with you, I identify as a citizen of Difflin Arskiri, which was the Viking Kingdom of Dublin, and that did include Clondalkin and Rathfarnham, mm-hmm. and far beyond. That's right. The Vikings, I think, they, they ran things pretty well. They actually built towns as opposed to... Um, yeah, they introduced they introduced the concept of the town to Ireland, which is great. We've really benefited from that. But they also introduced the concept of commerce to Ireland. And as we showed uh, in the early parts of this century, we can't do that well. No, we're just... I mean, it's... Uh, I think the round system is an indictment of Irish attitudes to commerce and things like that. I think these, something like a round system just wouldn't exist in a place like Germany. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. people think that it just it doesn't make any sense because typically a round system will always have winners and losers. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's an element of chance. And also, you are effectively committed to consuming a, a pint for every person in your group or a multiple of that. And if you don't, you're either a cheapskate who's sneaking out, beating the round, or you get <laughs> completely hammered, or it's very, very hard for anyone to actually break even to actually consume yeah. the exact amount of alcohol like, they purchased. If you if you if you think of it in those terms, there are going to be winners and losers. But the, the fact is the round is never ending and is always to be continued. And if you were left hanging last week, well, you won't have to be the first person up to get a drink this week. This is a thing that some some groups of friends remember who got the last round the last time they were mm. out. Yeah. And that yeah, strikes me as a terrifying concept because you it means first of all are you always drinking with the same people as are, are we characters in a roddy doyle facebook status 
Um, I try not to be, but uh, I invariably find myself drinking with the same people. There are only and a certain talking about which celebrities died. Oh yeah, you won't believe it. your man. Your man is dead. Your man. Your man. Your man. Your man is dead. He was in the film. He's in the film. Yeah. Uh, the I, wife likes that film. <laughs> the wife likes that film. Yeah. Two more points there, Seamus. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just there's only a certain amount of people in this world who can tolerate my company for long periods of time. So I've been drinking with them for 15 years. That's good. Um, so yeah, we did have one friend who, um, before he got a full time job, before he started to be justly rewarded for his efforts, mm. was the scabby one who we'd walk into the pub and we're like, right lads, who's round is it? And he'd go, oh, it's not mine because I got the second last one two weeks ago. It's like, get the points. Get Absolutely. the points. <laughs> You've shamed yourself. Get the points. I remember once I was uh, I was out with some friends at work and it was actually, it was lunch. It wasn't even drinking and I was, um, and we had uh, some, some staff who were just working there for the summer and I was just saying that we get the bill and I was basically going to cover their end as the manager and then then, then someone was, they were looking at me and they were laughing and I was like, Bats flying out of Derek's wallet there. And, <laughs> if he had Sterling, the Queen would be blinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's, Feel free to use that one, folks. All the folks back home. That's a great one. <laughs> but the... Um, apparently, yes, I had left the pub um, some maybe months previous when I was out to get the last bus. I didn't realize apparently that you there, was, out your there was a there was a round after I had left. Oh, you skipped out in your round. Which mathematically made up in mind. Yeah. And the shame associated to it. Yes. This is like the, the honor system, you know, if you had been a member of the Fianna, the punishment you would have gotten for skipping out on your round, they'd have buried you up to your neck and covered your head in honey for skipping out in your round. Hospitality was important. They're so there's it's such an elaborate, I guess, punishment. And it reminds me, speaking of elaborate punishments, <laughs> I'm gonna get there. There was a, it's a segue and a half. Whatever there's a, there's this is, there's a gentleman in mythology called Anridhra Gongoira. Anridhra Gongoira. Anridhra Gongoira. Yeah. Are you familiar with Anridhra Gongoira? So I'm familiar with Pariko Shukru's retelling of Anridhra Gongoira. So this is the knight without a laugh. He's the knight, knight without, without laughter. Laugh. Yeah. Um, and this is a knight as in a K, a knight with a K as opposed to an evening. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like uh, side side joke. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Sir Lancelot and Sir Galahad walk into a hotel. Mm-hmm. Say, can we have a room for two nights, please? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the Riddhra Gongaira. So uh, Pariko Shukru on Shawak, one of the greatest collectors of Irish storytellers, a Kerry man mm-hmm. from um, uh, the, uh, the, 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 he was active in the 1920s and 30s writing, uh, did some great retellings of the Riddhra Gongaira. And he did uh, he did a wonderful story called On Clive Sullish, or The Sword of Light. Oh, yes. The uh, Lightsaber. The lightsaber, yeah. Um, and the Ritter of Gongaira was in it, and he was he was without a laugh because his uh, all his sons got killed. Specifically, the, the knight describes himself and his three sons pursued a hare that, had dis- that decoyed him into a house in which lived an old man and twelve ogres who submitted the knight and his sons to many indignities, rope pulling, pig cleaning, overeating of swine flesh, and then they, they torched them in this manner until... <laughs> Um, eventually they just choked the sons with bones. And that's why the Riddhara was Gongoira. Yeah, yeah. The rubber bandits do an adaptation of the Riddhara Gongoira. No. Uh, yeah, the trout of no crack. <laughs> 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 but I love the story. I love the story because it just shows this idea that um, a medieval Irish legend, like, you know, an early... Christian Ireland or pre-Christian Ireland, an Iron Age character, mm. was expected to be a bit of crack. Mm-hmm. Like there had to be a bit of fun about him. You know what I mean? Like uh, being a knight wasn't enough. 
Yeah, exactly. He does it. Oh, he's brave and handsome and gallant and owns lots of land and has never been beaten in combat and beautiful princesses are falling over themselves to, to have him mm. ride up and rescue them from dragons and all that. Yeah, but he's no crack. No crack at all. He always skips out in his round. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so we can't have that. Yeah, so he was cursed by not having any laughter. And and to restore his laughter, I think he had to go and kill the giants that that, that did this or something like that. In fairness, now that's normally a uh, a good way to get a knock a few laughs to kill a giant. Kill a giant, yeah. yeah. Giant slaying. Giants get a fierce time in the old stories. They do, yeah. Although that said, normally they're doing quite well until the hero kills them. Like like Balor, Balor of the Baleful Eye was doing quite well until Lou killed him. Balor was an awful prick. He was. <laughs> He had an eye in the back of his head. He did, he did. That killed people. Mm-hmm. It killed them. It killed people. That's, I mean... I mean, that's no crack. No crack at all. She couldn't take him anywhere. Balor would never get around in. <laughs> Not in a million. Not like Lou. Lou was sound. Mm-hmm. Lou was always first up to the bar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And don't, and we all know, I suppose, Cucullin was always quick to get a big bag of cans. Big bag of cans. Big bag of cans. That's I mean, what... You wouldn't, you wouldn't live near your dog, of course. No. <laughs> He's the only, <laughs> the only hero in Irish history who's famous for cruelty to animals. Mm-hmm. But specifically now, one of the things I was hoping to talk to you today, prey upon your expertise, so to speak, is we want to look at a few points of Dublin slang. Dublin's traditionally seen as one of the least Gaelicized parts of this island. Incorrectly so, but yeah, Incorrectly yeah, absolutely. So. And there are certain points of Irish slang that, or, or Dublin slang that might might have own origin to Irish, some, some that may not. Yeah, yeah, one or two key phrases. Uh, you know, the ones with ambiguous origins where it's entirely possible that they, they come from Irish. I'm going to throw three at you. Okay. To start. Mott. Yeah, okay, so mott. Does it come from the Irish word ma, meaning good? Now, evidence to support this, you bear in mind that in the 16 and 1700s in English, yeah. a wife's term was good wife, goody. Yeah. So you go and watch The Crucible. Great play. Arthur Miller. Mm. They talk about Goody Smith and Goody Jones. And, good wife you know, Proctor and yeah, so Good forth. wife Proctor, yeah. And Goody Proctor. You have to give evidence against your husband, Goody Proctor. So, therefore, was a Colleen Ma, or a good girl, mm-hmm. did she end up becoming your Ma or your Mott? And also the fact that Ma is often, often has a softened T. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Hints at a possible similarity. So this is where the Dublin accent comes in, and and is the Dublin accent something that now I, when I say this, I mean the the, the old Dublin accent, the kind you're going to hear in Strumpet City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you to read Roddy Doyle books out phonetically, that kind of uh, mm-hmm. Dublin accent. I don't mean either the Dort accent or the you know Ashwan Ashwan Scandal Jacket accent. <laughs> um, and I say that as the owner of a Schwenschwen Scandal Jacket accent. I just keep it locked up in my attic because I've mm. gentrified myself now. I eat avocado toast and betray my Clondalkin roots all the time. It's funny how, I suppose, that the, the things are the recession, the 10 year recession has gotten so bad now that the symbol of decadence for millennials is a, a vegetable and a piece of bread. Yeah, the symbol of decadence for my parents' generation was an apartment in Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's, it's bread with fruit on it. Oh. <laughs> Technically, I think an avocado is a berry. But anyway. Berry's a fruit. Technically. Nonsense. Yeah. There are only seven colours. They're yolks. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not yolks. They're I don't eat toast with yolks. Yeah, so, so I so, firmly believe that mott is descended from the Irish word ma, meaning good. Because being someone's ma means they like you and they think you're good. Yes. And sketch. 
Yeah. The yeah, traditional yeah. call for to indicate that a teacher or a manager <laughs> manager, yeah. Depending on what stage of your life you're employing this, because it is universal and it is eternal and it is never ending. And it, somebody keeps sketch. So they're the ones who are on the corner keeping watch, being a lookout while you're up to your illicit activities. Mm-hmm. In in my case, it was smoking around the back of the art room in, yes. uh, in, in, in class. And um, somebody who was pals with us but wasn't a smoker would be details to stand on the corner, keep my oh, sketch. Teacher's mm-hmm. coming fags go down or get pocketed or whatever and you just walk away you scatter Mm. Uh, so in this context the Irish term that best describes that sort of eroding away fading into the distance like that is skeha so which and the mouth or the hook of that is ske yeah so ske darach ske tashachacht sketch sketch he's coming you know? And that actually, and that fits in naturally with it. Yeah, it does. And then there is another expression which is a spanner. Yeah. So I mean, I I I have a feeling that like uh, there is this term, right? Spanner. Yeah. Right. Which I suppose best is is what a callow youth. I suppose is callow youth. A callow youth. I mean, and he is somebody who is, as they say in Cork, not a jockey when having the race. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sort of a, I mean, I'd always class a spanner as someone who is, um, you know, a few bricks short of a shithouse. (laughs) 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 You know, um, but that said, it's been a long Dublin tradition to call someone who's utterly useless a tool. Yeah. And is it just a derivation of that? I'm not overly convinced about Spanier is is a Spanier a spanner. It's really, really nice. I'd love it to be true. I just worry, is it like a sort of a, a retro formation, a backronym? You know what I mean? Is it a kind of a, a the opposite of a neologism, but something that we've reworked? A to, realism. To, realism, yeah, love it. Mm. Is it a realism? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I personally, it's it, sometimes these things, and I know what I found is when you actually read kind of serious books about linguistics as opposed to thrilling entertaining ones like you find often (laughs) as opposed to yours which is thrilling and entertaining at times times really serious at times really serious but at the same time I think there's there's, yeah the the core is basically the the delight of words it's a beautiful read it's a beautiful read thank you very much but the um, (laughs) mother folklore same name as this podcast you're listening to right now one of the things I find in, with a lot of linguists is that they're deeply serious people and you find that if an explanation is anyway fun, it'll be basically that they're, you're not getting away with that. And one of the best examples of this is they tried to attribute Irish origins to certain points of American slang. Oh, yeah. And this was roundly was slapped out of court. Like, there was jazz a- does not come from jazz. It just doesn't. No, no. It, jazz or alternatively tass, meaning heat. Tass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh both, both bullshit. Yeah. Uh, both completely bullshit. My favourite bullshit realogism or, or sort of you know backwards um, uh, um, etymology for an American word is that the African American slang. Do you dig it? You know, do you dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Comes from undigging to. Do it's, you understand? It's tempting to think, but it doesn't seem to. It's definitely not a smoking gun. If it ever happened, why would it be located in one community, not another? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why didn't it stay with the Irish Americans, for example? And that's that's a because there there are Irish American slang words that definitely come from Irish that are still in use and have always been in use. Phony, yeah. For example, the best the best explanation for that is is it comes from fania, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a phony ring, a fake ring uh, was used. It was a 
common bait and switch in jeweler shops in America. Yeah. So it, it became the phony phony. Uh, and like, yeah, I believe that one because simply how the word has been used has not been mm. linked to, to uh, you know, a non-Irish uh, community and a non-Irish community only. But I don't believe it. I read this brilliant book about how the Irish invented slang. Yes. And it's a lovely read, but you just, you have to treat it as a work of fiction. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's not like mother folklore available in all good bookshops. That's absolutely. But then, uh, while you're here, I got to ask you how you stand on the great crack debate. The uh, the word crack, and my theory is that I suppose because this is something that I saw entering prevalence while people are always saying crack yeah. in the 1980s and earlier, but it wasn't spelt the way it is traditionally no. spelt now. And my theory is that in the early 90s there was a serious crack cocaine problem in the United States. Yeah, yeah, and when Irish culture is being promoted over there, they had to differentiate the crack we enjoy from the crack that some people was enjoying. I mean, that definitely gives it the weight of conspiracy theory, as opposed to just you know some poor hapless gobshite decided this is an Irish word that should have an Irish spelling. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Shakespeare, Marlowe, and other medieval English playwrights used the term crack in in the sense of of fun mm. or to have a go at something, and uh, it was certainly used over here in Ireland. Um, I don't agree with anyone who complains about the spelling of it, C R I C, simply because, like many words. It has come into the Irish language over the last 20, 30 years and is part of the Irish language. So, I mean, 35, 40 years ago, there was very little use for the term reaver yeah. or computer or revoliacht, computer science or, or you know, refust, email. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, anybody's complaining about it being spelled C-R-A-I-C, like, it just, language doesn't end. It doesn't stop at a certain point. At no stage should the language be gone, done. Yeah. That's it. No more. Party's over. Party's sure. over. We're done. So, like, no, C R I C. It's how I spell it myself. I don't cod myself that it's originally an Irish word, but, but I don't have an issue with it. At the same time, we do have Krakalta and Kraken. We do, yeah. Egg but I mean, Igbula Kraken, which is great crack. Um, Absolutely. It's tremendous crack. Good, <laughs> good, healthy fun. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, again, we could go reaching for it, like, like with Spanier and, and Spanner, and we can go looking for the, the similarities and all that, but it's just. It's it's quite simply how we would pronounce that phoneme, mm. C R A C K. We would spell it C R I C. It's not related to our skin or the hitting of it in a rhythmic and pleasurable fashion. And getting a bit crack also. Getting a bit crack from the lack of igbula cracking, or or from, or from the right kind of igbula cracking. That can drive you crack out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we need no excuse to be crack out We can be crack out looking for a bit of re rog as really bully. That's, uh, I think that was one of the best things I saw. There was a piece of graffiti for promoting the real IRA and someone who wrote Agus Rula Bula under it. Agus Rula Bula. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a crack purist, shall we say. No, absolutely not. I mean, it can be cut with any sorts of substances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, we get a lot of water down crack. Just come to Temple Bar. Like that's a, a watered-down plastic var- variation of, of crack. Of, we have, of which, uh, I suppose, yes, there are a number of taverns in Temple Bar. It's become, actually, it reminds me of, in some ways, the media response to Donald Trump, that there isn't so much objectionable output from Donald Trump that people have almost, uh, that it, it's almost become a kind of a wallpaper or a white noise, and that people aren't being shocked by things that would have been massive stories. And similarly, the amount of social media, people photographing, 
receipts from Temple Bar establishments. I have no time for this. Charging nine euros for a pint. I have no time for this. And an extra euro for a bit of blackcurrant in it. I have no time for this anymore. Y'all shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. What? Like, it's just, at this stage, receipts from Temple Bar and receipts for Dublin parking have been shared on social media so much that if you didn't think it was going to be that expensive, you're a poor innocent fool and I pity you an awful lot. I know you can be I have, I have more time for the come on you beauty uh, betting slips than I do for the Temple Bar receipts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... I always find those to be a little bit fake now, you know, these come on your beauty betting slips. Because, like, most of the people I know who are compulsive gamblers uh, do it on their phones. They have apps now. So I just... Well, you know, if if you are hoping to buy a house in the future, you do not want any gambling stuff on your bank account. Stuff comes from those apps because yeah, that's, it's dar- traceable. Dar- I don't even need avocado toast. Cash. Right? I don't even need avocado <laughs> toast. If I had cash, the last thing I'd be doing with it is I've actually never been inside a bookies. Never been inside of bookies. Never been inside of bookies. Uh, it's it's not a very pleasant place. I do I do I do place a bet every year at the Grand National. Oh. Uh, I kind of do a sweepstakes work sometimes, or sometimes I just go and throw a few quid on a horse I like the name of, and I go into a bookies to do it. And like, geez, you get a land, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like whew, I would not like this to be my social circle. Nah. I'm not really one to talk because my social circle is the pub. Like mm-hmm. I'm uh, if you know I, I'm not an alcoholic because alcoholics go to meetings, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do you a good impression of one like at times <laughs> um, but yeah I, I don't know I don't I don't like I don't like betting shops I don't like Gal Glockadori the Irish mm. for bookies I think bookies is a lot simpler to say than Gal Glockadori which is literally translates as a bet taker the bet taker it's because he sees taking the bet That's you're it. not going to see that money again yeah because he's making book I used to I remember there was, a, there was a large Euro Millions jackpot on, on the horizon of that week and I was talking to a gambler but we were just talking as people do what would you do with this lottery win? Yeah. I have no time for people who start bragging about how much they give away. You know, let's forget that. If you want five grand would you, how much would you give away? None. Not a penny. But then there, wow. there's like <laughs> there's about it was about a hundred million or so was coming up and he said what would you do? And he's put it all in red. Wow! What do you do then? And he oh, says, wow. he says like yeah, it. Just saw every every kind of any any landing of money was basically ammunition for the next bet, and there was the actual this this lemmy ace of spades attitude that it's actually that thrill of betting and the actual yeah. winning is almost a disappointment. So, have you ever gone to the racetrack? Have you ever gone to the horse races? I've been to the track. I've been to the greyhound track. Greyhound track, and yes. you put a few bob on it. I put. I, I haven't got myself into a uh, into a situation where you know. Um, no, but like two euro reverse forecast or something like yeah, that. Like, exactly. yeah. yeah. So like, I've, I've, I've been to the dog track. Dog track's not as good as the horse track for this feeling. And it's just this feeling that your tiny little bet, a fiver, hmm. you know, or a fiver each way or whatever it is, and the horse comes in. There's actually nothing like it. It's just a tremendous jump. It's amazing. Which is why I don't gamble because I'm pretty sure if I did, I'd lose everything because it feels fucking awesome. That's the feeling I get when I pronounce an Irish word correctly. The <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a satisfaction, all right. Yeah, mm. when you get it all right, especially if it's a big, multi-syllabic bastard like a word, like yeah. What I get is if someone actually says an Irish word to me, and I realise there's six silent letters in there, and I picked them all up. Like your surname. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, father, S E, father, A G H T H A, and you gotta realise those 
those GHs and DHs aren't, you don't hear them much. They're beavering away onto the surface. That's it. They just, they, they do their job. You know, they mm. do their job. They just. <laughs> <laughs> mm. On that mysterious note, we're about to have some more silent letters and we're going to finish up for now. But thank you very much for joining me today, Father. And if you enjoyed today's programming, perhaps you might subscribe to the show or review the show on wherever you get your podcasts and do recommend it to your friends. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Slow that. If we had a big bag of cans, it would have.